How do you have better sales conversations with prospects and customers? We'll be discussing that with Karen Saravo from Business Expansion Strategies on episode 23 of The Pete Primo Show. The Pete Primo Show is brought to you by my book, Sell a Million. Get your copy of Sell a Million by going to Amazon or find the link at PetePrimo.com. This week's guest is Karen Saravo. Karen, good morning. Good morning, Pete. How are you? I'm great. We only did 24 takes this time. I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's really going to think we did 24 takes and really your face got so long, Karen, when I said we did 23 takes last week and you're like, oh, my <laughs> Lord. <laughs> uh, you got to get my sense of humor. I'm an acquired taste. So, Karen, I we love met. You, you know that. <laughs> well, the feeling is mutual and you know that. So, when you watch this show, whoever you are, wherever you are, whether you're driving your car or you're watching the video at home, you're not going to believe that me and Karen have never met because we have never met. We met on LinkedIn, what, about a year ago? Was it about a year ago? I, I think, yes. About a year ago. And so what I have learned uh, from reading Karen's posts and her comments is that she's an extraordinarily skilled salesperson and uh, former VP of sales really uh, has some extraordinary insights that every salesperson and most every business owner could really benefit from. So um, I just want to talk really briefly before we get into the subject about things that we did that helped us to develop a relationship and things that we didn't do. So the number one thing that we didn't do is we didn't spam each other trying to sell each other, even though we're, you know, Karen, we're, we're like the same person. I mean, it's like, we are like <laughs> salespeople and neither one of us tried to sell the other person. Both of us did something very interesting. And that is we sought to understand the other person and we wanted to add value to the other person. And do you want to comment on that or do you just want to agree with me? And I, I think that you're absolutely right. Um, the, the worst thing to do on LinkedIn is to connect and immediately send a spam message. Um, and we, yep. neither one of us do that. Um, right. We believe right. in finding out about the other person, learning about the other person, and um, just getting to know people. And I think that's the best way to do on LinkedIn. Yep. Yep. I agree. So there is your mini social media lesson for the day from me. Don't spam. Don't listen, guys. Do not. Do not ask somebody for their business before you even know if it's a good fit. That is just, it is, it's sales malpractice. It, it truly is. It is. And you, you're not allowed to call yourself a salesperson if you do that. So just remember that you're, you're something else and it's not a professional salesperson. So I'd like to um, jump in with two other things, Pete. Um, sure. Go ahead. I, when I get connection requests, I check the person out. I go to Google and I check them out to see if they are truly a person that um, exists. Uh, I've gotten LinkedIn connections from people that said they're doctors. And when I did a Google search, they don't exist. So the number one thing on LinkedIn, beyond what you and I just talked about, is be yourself and be honest. And the other thing is, and I'm going to address this to the men out there, don't flirt. Stop asking, you know, am I married? Am I, you know, anything <laughs> personal? Stop doing that. Because, you know, the first thing I do is I go in and I remove the connection. 
So that's not what LinkedIn is about at all. It's a networking. So that's the best suggestions I can give. Thank you, Karen. Um, I have never actually Googled somebody. So there are people out there with fake. I I know from being on LinkedIn for a long time, there's people with fake profiles. That is really, really smart. And I've never done that. So thank you, Karen. That's awesome. So when I started thinking about our topic, it became like this onion. And I peeled back one layer and then I peeled back another layer and I peeled back another layer. And then I found myself going in this big circle and I'm like, there's no way to have a better sales conversation with your prospects and with your customers if you don't execute on all the basics of selling. So I'm going to kind of let you just, this is your area of, of expertise, Karen. Tell me, you know, step one, you know, somebody out there, maybe they're new to sales. Maybe it's a, maybe Karen, maybe it's a business owner and he or she is an upstart and they're selling and they're not really salespeople, but they have Uh this great service or this great product, but they're Uh not really salespeople. So how do we get these guys started to have better sales conversations? Okay, the the first thing that I would like to address is that a good sales conversation starts in your own head. If you engage in negative self-talk, you need to stop. You can't do that. You have to be confident of who you are. You have to be assured of who you are. And don't put yourself down. The other thing you have to start with is a good attitude. So when you wake up in the morning, read something positive. Do something positive so that you put yourself in the right mode for calling and talking to people. Um, The other thing is eliminate certain words out of your vocabulary. If you say, I'm just a receptionist, I'm just a salesperson, get rid of the word just. It demeans you. The other um, couple words, the word but. If you use the word but in the middle of a sentence, it negates everything you've said at the beginning of the sentence. So people only hear the second part. So Pete, if I said to you, I like that jacket, but I would rather have it in purple. The only thing you hear is I want a purple jacket. You don't hear anything about what I said about the jacket itself. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Listen, this is ladies and gentlemen, you are getting pure selling gold right here because one of the things that I often have to do with my guests is I have to keep bringing them back to the basics and I have to try to get them to give you what goes before. And Karen's doing it for us. I mean, this is a master. And so stop negative self-talk. Absolutely. And listen, uh, I'm going to, the first time I heard this, I thought the guy that said it was a complete idiot. And then I started listening to my self-talk and I said, oh my God, this dude is right. And this is what he said. If you really listen to everything that you say to yourself, you wouldn't even talk to that person. You would walk away from that person and never talk to them again. And so stop the negative self-talk. I couldn't agree more. And then replacing that with something positive. It doesn't matter what it is. Read something, anything. Um, listen to music that makes you happy. Meditate, pray, whatever makes you positive. 
And if you're very young, you need to figure out what that is. Maybe you have to exercise before you start to feel positive. I always exercise in the morning and that helps me get going. That's something that I do. Um, But this elimination of some of these words, this is brilliant and so important. The, The first sale that you ever make as a salesperson is the sale that you make to the man or the woman who's in the mirror. That's the first sale that you make every day. And don't even say these words just or but to yourself. They're bad words. They should be eliminated from your vocabulary. And um, so, no, I couldn't agree more. And I don't even remember where we were because we're just kind of spitballing here, Karen, but that is so good because there's listen there's no sense to diving into how to have a better sales conversation if you don't start off with yourself you you know to sell is to serve that's something that i know that me and you constantly talk about whether we talk about it in exactly those words but we both believe in our dna in our heart of hearts that our job as a salesperson is to serve the customer right. and you can't serve the customer unless you feel good about yourself and you really have right. to spend time on yourself to make sure that you're in the right place and th- these <laughs> three right here is a great way to start every day thanks pete um the other thing is have you run into somebody that apologizes all the time for themselves, you know, or I'm sorry, you know, even if you call them and they were on the phone, the first thing out of their mouth is, sorry, I was on another call. Why are you sorry about that? Just say, thank you for calling me back or thank you for reconnecting or thank you for being patient with me. But don't apologize for yourself all the time. That's another part of that negative self-talk. And this goes back to our kinship. So that's straight up Jeffrey Gittimer right there. (laughs) I think that over the years that we've read and listened to a lot of the same guys and I'm I'm going, I see a picture of Jeffrey right now because the the first time he said that I started pushing back on that. And then I realized, oh my gosh, this dude is so right. He's right. He is. He is. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, the positive so Jeffrey, attitude, the yes attitude, that all comes from Jeffrey's teachings. Yes. That is my very favorite book. If you yeah. know, and if people haven't read it. It's easy to read. It's fun to read. And this I guess I'm going to give like Jeffrey it. a plug. This is why I like it. It, yes. it has big print. And, and more importantly for me, it has this I have printed. This part in the middle of the book. Right. I printed that and had that inside my planner for years. It is literally step-by-step what you need to do to have a great day every day. Right. Um, It's on page 146 and 147. (laughs) So Jeffrey Gittimer's little book of yes attitude is a must. So go get it and, and enjoy it. Boy. We're, and we're when you do get of... it, go ahead. When you go ahead. get it, there's a list of questions in there. It's a self test. Have you done that, Pete? Mm-hmm. The, yes. the self test in there about how your attitude is. And it's not just about checking a box and saying, yes, I do that. His question is, how good are you at it? And yes. so you stop and think you know, okay, I do that, but am I really good at it? Can I get better? So what I do is about once every six months, I I rate myself and then I go back and I re-rate myself and make sure that I'm improving instead of staying just status quo. 
I uh, I take it about once a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I'm very happy with myself and other times I'm not as happy with myself. And right. ladies and gentlemen, when you're not happy with yourself, change something in your routine. So when if you stray away from something that's worked for you in the past, pick it back up and yep. read two to three pages a day and just a little bit of something that's positive, that moves you in the right direction. And that book is a great book. The other one, let me see. The other one that is excellent, Karen, is this one. Um, Where is it? There it is. Mark Hunter's book, A Mindful Sales. I don't believe I've read that yet. Get it. You'll love it. Uh, Thank you. A lot That's of, the other thing uh, that you and I do, Pete, is we recommend books for each other. We do. We add we to do. each other's reading list. <laughs> yeah, we do. And mm-hmm. and guys, that's a great way to get to know somebody too. If it you is. guys have some things that you read to, you know, and you share those ideas and those values, maybe you even differ on some of it, but that's okay. That's what makes the world go round. We starting to live in a world that everybody's feeling compelled to answer things a certain way. And that's, that's not good for anybody, but I, I'm a reader and I know Karen's a a reader. If you take just one thing away from our conversation is, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't even know who said it, Karen, but readers are leaders. It's true. It, mm-hmm. it, it really is. Now, it is being an implementer is more important than being a reader because if you read it and you never do <laughs> anything with it, right. it's useless. But right, right. Anyway, it, it's like I going de- to a seminar and not taking away anything or taking away something and not acting on it. So you know, yeah. be you know, don't just read but do. Absolutely. I wanna, I wanna. Uh, take off on that, but I want to do a quick little commercial. So let me take you, let me uh, take a moment to tell you about my free Facebook group, Pete Primo sales and marketing, whether you're a Facebook owner or sales professional, whatever industry you're in, you'll find daily tips and motivation to help you be better at sales and marketing. Join today. Look for the Pete Primo sales and marketing group on Facebook. And that ends my commercial. So listen, I want, you just made me think about something, Karen. And that's the other thing that I love about our relationship. You, you know, when I always make those comments, thanks for making me think. I I really mean it because you ask some really great questions on LinkedIn. That really makes me go back in time, go, "Eh, I used to do that, but am I doing it right now? No. Okay. Got to adjust. Got to, got to improve that area. So let me ask you this. Um, You are obviously a student of sales and of business. And I am sure that if I asked you how many seminars, it would probably be some big number and whether it's a big number or a small number, could you give us a few tips on how to get the most out of a seminar? Absolutely. Number one, you're going to take notes. Number two, you're going to listen intently. If you don't know how to listen intently, it's something that you need to practice, practice, practice. So when you're out and about on any day of the week, um, but I like to think of Saturdays as the day that everybody runs errands. You listen, you observe. So when you're in a seminar or a webinar, always, always listen. And, you know, if they provide some sort of replay, listen to the replay as well. Um, take notes again. Uh, review your notes, pick out two or three different things that you want to put into action steps and move forward with it. Make a plan after you go to the webinar or the seminar and pick out those action points and move forward. Do you know why I'm smiling so big, Karen? Why? (laughs) 
I'm smiling so big because when I asked you that question, I knew in my heart of hearts exactly what you were going to say. And you did. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad and, that I said what you needed me to say, Pete. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that I needed you to say it. It's I knew you would deliver on the action point. And, and that is the most right. important thing. And, and this is what I do. I prioritize the actions. I, first of all, right. I used to like list out 20 things. Don't, don't stop. Don't do that. Please right. don't do that. Just write down at the most a handful of things to do. But here's mm -hmm. the, the last little step that I want you to do. I want you to pick one and mark it number one. And then mark number two. So just prioritize them at the very end. And that will help you get the most out of, there's no sense in going to a seminar or a webinar and not have an action points that you execute on. Um, it's, it's so important to prioritize that and really, uh, you know, get going. So I'll tell you. I got to bring us back to this better sales conversations and prospects. So what is the, the, you know, if we're start, so, so we're, we're, we're starting with a positive, um, image right. we're in a good mood. We've done what we have to do, whether that's listen to our favorite music, uh, go out, smell the flowers, exercise, whatever it happens to be read, reading's uh -huh. important. Um, listen and listening to books on tape, whatever it is for you. And, and listen, if you're very young, you need to figure that out for yourself. I know exactly what it is for me. I, I have a playlist and I can cue it up at any time. I have it categorized depending on what I need. Um, uh -huh. you know, so if I need energy, I go to my energy playlist. If, uh -huh. if I need to be inspired, I have an inspirational, uh, you know, uh, playlist. I, I have right. that all put to the side and I can plug it in anytime I need it. So we're positive. What's the next step? You have to realize that sales isn't about you. Oh, that's about the customer. That's gold. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best mindset adjustment that many salespeople some guys and gals, they go through their career and, and they're like, get to the middle of it before they figure this out. It's mm -hmm. not about you. It's about them. And right. once, once you really get it in your heart and you mm -hmm. get it in your mind that it's about the customer, then everything else should follow. But it won't necessarily automatically follow because right. what you want to do is you want to follow a proven pathway. You don't mm -hmm. want to have to learn all this stuff the hard way. I, I learned right. too much the hard way and I've been an avid reader my whole life. I've been a student of selling and business my whole life. And I still sometimes will just beat myself for being, for, for not following a proven, um, a, a proven system. And listen, I, I know what you're thinking out there. This is what you're thinking. I, I, I don't want to be handcuffed by a system. But here, whatever the system is that you start with, after you have great success, then you start to change it. So, right. Karen, you must have had some kind of structure at some point that helped you to, to be more successful. Um, I, you know, the sales process is a structure, Pete. And I think the first thing that in the sales process is we have to figure out who our best targets are for marketing to. So if you're a small business and you have one location, do you want to go after the big national companies or do you want to go after smaller companies? So find your target list. 
that's probably the most important thing to start is to figure out who you want to sell to and who you can help with your product or service. Yep. Yep. And do you have, you know, we have, uh, Mike, the, who, the, my customers who watch this show mostly are business owners, but mm-hmm. I have a lot of RSAs, retail salespeople that watch this, and I've developed a, a, a completely unknown third market that I didn't know I had until just the last few years, and that's sales reps. And, and what you mm-hmm. just said is brilliant for sales reps understand what your product does and doesn't do and who it appeals to and who it can help the most. Does it help a mama and pop better than it helps a large national or is a large national really better served by it? Um, And sometimes it's not either or sometimes, you know, in, in our business, in the home furnishings industry, it oftentimes is all of the above. But mm-hmm. you have to understand that you're going to have different marketing funnels for them and your process is going to be different. And mm-hmm. your understanding of, of uh, you know, when you call on a mom-pa, the guy that greets you at the door might be the only salesperson and he's also the owner and he's also right. the decision maker. Right. And, and so that's a very simple sale. But when you start working with larger corporations, this is just a little tidbit for you sales reps out there. And me and Karen were talking about this um, just recently. As a matter of fact, just before we got on, uh, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made as a salesperson is I didn't fully understand all the stakeholders that were involved in a decision. I did not realize that in this uh, 20 store sleep shop chain, and I'm making that up because I don't remember. It could have been 10 and it could have been 50. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't realize that they were going to vote at the end of the day and mm-hmm. everybody would have a vote. And so I just really focused on the, the decision maker who I thought the decision maker was. And I didn't realize that there were other decision makers that I needed to bring into the process. So that's a little something for you. But Karen, what would you, listen, you are not only a sales uh, professional and a great trainer and a sales coach and a business coach, but you are also a consumer. So if you were to say something um, to our RSAs out there, our retail sales Mm -hmm. pros, um, what advice would you give them in terms of you know, how could they sell more? What are some obvious things that come to your uh, top of your mind when, mm-hmm. you know, you think about good versus bad retail experiences? Well, I, I think that the questions that you ask um, when you've got a customer in front of you, you need to ask them how they're going to use the product. Um Pete, for your industry, for the mattresses and the furniture, you know, is it going to go in the master bedroom? Is it going to go in a spare bedroom that isn't used very often? Is it going to go in a child's bedroom? Ask the questions to figure out what the customer really needs, what they're really, really looking for. How old is the uh, mattress that they're using now? Um, are they aware of the the um, concerns of having a mattress for over a certain amount of time? So I think asking good questions and asking pertinent questions is probably the best tip that I can give somebody in retail um, because you're going to get blow-off answers from a, a customer. Um, and I know I'm guilty of it, too. If you go into a retail store and um, you just start looking around and a salesperson comes up to you and they say, can I help you? Um, my first blow off answer is no, thanks. I'm just looking. But if they specifically ask me, am I looking for something to wear to a certain event? Then they get my attention and they have a chance of getting better conversation. That's awesome. That's awesome. So 
focus in, in on what your customer wants and the outcomes that they're looking for is a critical piece to having a better sales conversation. Um, what, what else do they have to do before you actually start to build um, the questions? Well, they have to realize that their biggest competitor is the customer status quo. You know, uh, not Joe blows, you know, um, company down the street. You're not competing with who they're using. You're competing with what they're doing. So to be able to develop questions, you need to think about how to get them to change and how that change is going to impact their business. That is so good. And, you know, who does a great job of uh, just bringing up study after study and really kind of deep diving into that is, uh, is uh, Victor Antonio. He, uh, you know, and, and listen, I've seen these studies before, but he really drove it home. And it was like, oh, my Lord. Um, sometimes we get so sidetracked by the competitor that we see that we don't really understand that the customer not doing anything. So we know, Karen, specifically in the mattress market, that the customer comes in and out of the market several times before they make a buying decision. We know that we, right. we have all kinds of studies that have been done and the, the question, it begs the question, how bad of a job are we doing as salespeople that they come into the market, they get disgusted with the confu the, the confusion and then they leave the market and then they go, they, they, they pay for little Joey's braces and they have to put a new roof on the house and they have to do this, right. that, and the other. And then they come back into the market maybe after they go on vacation and they uh -huh. realize how bad their bed is. And uh -huh. talking about outcomes, what they want, not what we want, because right. it doesn't matter what I want. It only uh -huh. matters what your customer wants. And if your customer wants... More, a more more supportive mattress. They want to wake up happy and pain free. And right now they're not waking up happy and pain free. And they're mm -hmm. looking at this lumpy mattress that's twenty years old, and they're starting <laughs> to suspect that that might be part of the problem. And so, what Karen is saying to you is, the guy down the street isn't your competition because we know factually they're going to shop you and yeah they're probably going to shop the competition too and but then if neither one of you do a good job they're going to go back out of the market and whether they they hit another store in there or not doesn't really matter your enemy is them doing nothing and that is what most people do and it happens in corporations and it happens to retail consumers both they go in and out of the market they leave unserved. And, and let me tell you something. Mrs. Jones doesn't care that this doohickey is turned this way. All she cares about is, will I get a better night's sleep? And can I feel the difference in a bed with that and without that? So the better that you can illustrate the differences between beds within your showroom. So I'm making this up off the fly because we did not rehearse this. Did we rehearse this? Not at all. <laughs> no. Not at all. Not at all. Let's say you're trying to talk about the joys of memory foam and based on some conversation that you had with your customer that, you know, it sounds like memory foam could be a really important thing for them. Well, put them on something that is the exact opposite of memory foam maybe mm -hmm. a super hard inner spring with hardly any padding on it and then let them feel how that memory foam kind of cradles them and conforms to them mm -hmm. and you know you have to make it 
black and white with your customer. And right. remember this, your, your goal should really be to uncover the truth of their situation. And right. the problem that happens in retail, we start off with this like little cat and mouse game, right? You mentioned, you called it a, a blow off question, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, listen, you walked into a mattress store, you need a mattress. We already know that. <laughs> it's, you're not just looking around, <laughs> right? So, so listen, you don't, you don't have to beat anybody over the head with that or be unpleasant. And one of the things I want to say to every retail salesperson here is this, understand that at the end of the day, forget about all the words, people will buy your energy level and your general right. attitude towards them. So if what you're projecting, and I don't want to get all esoteric on you, but I'm gonna, so I'm warning you right now, if what you're projecting is, is good, is high energy, mm -hmm. is love, right. you're going to get it back. And will you right. sometimes fall on your face and not get it back? Yeah, sometimes you will. It's mm -hmm. a percentage game. But right. at, at the end of the day, if you're consistently positive and in your heart of hearts here, you want to mm -hmm. do the right thing for the customer, your customer's going to feel that in a hundred different ways and you're going to win. And one of the things that I used to say on my Saturday morning um, sales meetings that I used to do when I was in retail is I would tell my salespeople, stop thinking about your commissions and start thinking about how to better serve your Absolutely. customer. The second that you internalize the outcome of a sale, that it results in you being enriched financially, you have failed, you have lost, and it's just a matter of time before you actually manifest that physically that you've lost it, but you've lost before you started. The only focus that you need to have is one, and that focus is on the customer and thinking about how awesome is it going to be for her to wake up pain-free and right. happy or as pain-free right. and as happy as she can be. Now, you know, sometimes I listen to RSAs and I cringe because they sound like medical doctors who are curing the customer of, of any uh, thing that afflicts them. And the, the, the truth of the matter is a mattress can be a life changer, but if somebody has a horrible medical condition, you're not gonna solve it with a mattress. Can you improve right. the quality of their life with good support and good comfort? Absolutely, you sure can. And it's one of the things that I love about the mattress business. Sorry, when I just No, no, that's show. okay. <laughs> that's okay. When, when you mentioned the commission and thinking about the commission and, you know, when you're selling, that yeah. brings your ego into it. And you want to keep your yes. ego out of it. You want to stay focused on your customer. And you want to stay focused on what value can I bring to them that they're going to trust me. And I yeah. think that that's exactly what you were saying is that no matter whether it's B2B or B2C, no matter what type of sales that you're doing, you have to let them know that their outcome, that their needs are primary in everything that you're doing. So stay focused on that, stay focused on what they're looking for, what they want to achieve, and how you can help them and what you can bring to them. Because then they'll trust you. And if they trust you, that's part of that, you know, oh, we want to buy from that person because they are genuine and they care. So those are the things that I think we really need to yeah, you know, uh, I get the question, you know, how how do I get the customer to trust me? And a lot of times salespeople don't like my answer. Here's my answer. Be trustworthy. Absolutely. Be trustworthy. And it goes back to what Karen said at the very beginning. Stop your negative self-talk. Read be positive. 
read, make your, you know, one of the things we didn't touch upon because we almost take it for granted when we talk to each other is the whole idea of self-improvement and self-education as a sales professional and as a business professional, you know, you own a business, you need to be a master of marketing and you need to be a master of selling. Even if you don't like selling, you have to learn it and you have to know it and you have to be able to recognize a great salesperson versus a good one and a good one Mm -hmm. versus an average one because you're never going to make it to the top with average salespeople. So what you guys really, really ought to do, Billy, can you pull up um, Karen's, um, her, her, uh, her LinkedIn profile? You really need to connect with Karen and you, you need to start to ask her some questions because here is a giver who has answers and she has been doing this a long time. She knows what she's doing and she can really help your business. So I'm sorry, I know that I'm not supposed to be doing commercials, but I did another one. Is it okay <laughs> if I read so a chapter? Is it okay if I read a chapter of my book and then you can kind of give me some feedback on this and tell me I'm full of Absolutely. crap? It's good. It's only uh, two to three minutes. And those of you who have my book, um, sell a million. It's really not a book about selling a million in terms of sales. It's not a sales book. It's really a marketing book more than anything. And I wrote it for furniture store and mattress store owners. But uh, you know what? Anybody that owns a brick and mortar, uh, brick and mortar uh, store would would do well to uh, grab this book and implement a handful of things. But we are on page eighty-two. Chapter 53, Max Each Sale. Offering quality upsells is a fast and simple way to increase your revenues and profits, yet many business owners miss the opportunity to increase the value for the customer while increasing the overall purchase amount. An upsell is nothing more than having a variety of different options and or quality levels that go along with the initial product purchase. You see it every time that you set into a fast food restaurant when they offer you the option to supersize your order. They don't do that anymore, but I wrote this in 2015. Um, Often business owners think you need a complex strategy for increasing your average dollar with new marketing efforts and lots of of process re-engineering. In reality, you can make upselling part of your sales process as easily as they do it in the fast food industry. Just get your salespeople to ask if your customers want that extra something that makes their life easier or more enjoyable. And in the mattress business, guys, no customer should ever buy a a mattress without buying a protector. You you know, that's malpractice, guys, not to show a protector. and, and I, I'm going to tell you why, because you're making a decision for the customer without asking the customer first. And, you know, there's a lot of words that people could call a person like that, and none of them are good words. Making sure that your salespeople are offering tables and lamps with their sofas and sectionals are obvious upsells that benefit both the consumer and the store. Salespeople should ask if the customer wants one nightstand or a match and pair. When selling a mattress set, there are numerous items that the customer could ben- benefit from. New frame, new rails, pillows, sheet sets. You're probably thinking I forgot about mattress protectors and encasements. Did you think that? I didn't forget them. They are part of every mattress sale and therefore they are not an upsell. If a customer won't invest in a protector, I simply would not sell them a mattress. It's that important. So there's a lot to unpack there. One of the things that I, I want to reinforce, if you really listen to that chapter, I never talk about the extra profitability to the salesperson or to the owners without a corresponding value benefit for the consumer. So at the end of the day, you're doing it for their benefit, not your benefit. But that was a great got, chapter, Karen? Pete. 
That was a great Thanks. chapter. And any industry that you're selling in, whether you're selling retail or whether you're selling business to business, you can apply that and and upsell. There are related items in any in any business. So if you're selling janitorial supplies and somebody calls you for a new mop mop bucket bucket and ringer, then ask about the mops. Ask about how they store the mops. Ask about you know what other things they're doing to keep their floors clean. Um, in staffing, you know if you're if you're providing industrial help, then you know ask about what about your lab? What about your quality control? What about your office? So actually build those relationships so that you can talk about other areas um, and ask them what their needs are in those areas. So that was great, Pete. Thank you. That means a lot. I'm almost ready to cry. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> so when you get down to it, the only way you're going to have a better sales conversation, whether it's a prospect or a current customer and, and anybody out there, and it really doesn't matter if you're in wholesale or retail, your B2B right. or your B2C, um, conversations with your customers are really so important to reveal in future success path right. for you as a salesperson. Right. So one of the things that I used to ask my customer when I was in retail, I'm a retail salesperson. I've completed the transaction. Mm -hmm. It's it's all the all the T's have been crossed, all the I's have been dotted. I have it's secure. It's over. And now I'm saying mm -hmm. goodbye. Do you mm -hmm. know what I always said? I always asked them one question. Why did you buy for me? And sometimes my fragile little ego would get in the way because <laughs> they would just say, Pete, I really didn't buy from you. I just saw the ad. I thought it was a great buy. Ouch. <laughs> so you learn something. Um, right. And, but most of the time, especially towards the end of my retail sales career, what I heard is, Pete, we went to store after store and every salesperson said, this is the last day. You didn't do that to us. You were honest with right. us. You were by far the most creative, gave us the most options. So listen, your customer said options. So for future sales, make note to self. They like options. All right. So you have no value as a salesperson unless you can bring something to the customer that they couldn't think of on their cell by themselves. So today they can go on the internet and if they come in and they know more than you, shame on you. You should know 10 times more than they'll ever be able to learn. Uh, and you need to help them gently give them some of the nuggets that you have that broaden out the possibility for solutions. And if you do that consistently, you're going to win. And I don't care what kind of sales you're in. Sorry. I just got on my Why soapbox. Why are you sorry? <laughs> oh my gosh. Never That's apologize. one of those words I have to eliminate. Absolutely. I didn't say just or but. <laughs> Karen, you need to work on me. <laughs> oh, we'll work on it, Pete. We'll work on it. Good. We'll get you to stop Good. saying sorry. <laughs> Good. I need to. Um, yeah. The the one thing that I would like to say that, that I've always done that's worked well for me is when you're talking to a prospect or a customer, if they use a specific phrase or if they say things a certain way, remember that and give it back to them the same way they said it. It seems like it creates a bond with that person and they know that you've been listening. So if, if I'm B2B sales, 
and I'm talking to a prospect and I know that I'm going to be um, talking to them a couple weeks later and following up, then I'm going to have that, that phrase down. And a lot of times I put it in my CRM so that I remember the way they said it so that I can use their words. And sometimes they laugh and they say, that's the way I say things. And it is, it really does bring you closer together. So, so guys, so guys and gals, you just got PhD level cell in there. So you've all heard of mirroring with body language. You've heard of mirroring with cadence. You've heard about mirroring with volume up or down. Now you've heard mirroring with phrasing and right. that is a golden nugget that is huge it's actually beyond golden it's actually that's a diamond right there um, you want to bond with your customer you want them to um, to start to identify with you to start to really think you know this is a person who can really help me and this is a person who I value because we value people who are more like ourselves, sadly. Right. And we shouldn't always just be that because some of the best things that I've ever learned about business or selling, I disagreed with when I first heard it because I was so in my own head and I had to get outside of my head and realize, and you know, one of the greatest marketers of all time used to call that entering the conversation in their mind. You as a salesperson, right. you have to do that too. You have right. to enter the conversation. You need to understand where they're at. So right. it's not good enough to understand where you're at in your process. You need to understand where they're at in their process right. and then you'll understand what needs to happen if it's the right thing for them hey ladies and gentlemen let me tell you something if it's not the right thing for them and people hate when i say this and i'm gonna get i'm gonna get hate notes on this again walk away right walk away i'm, and I'm not telling any retail salesperson to just start walking customers out of the store that your owner spent his his or her hard-earned money to bring into your store. What I am saying is if you've made a determination that there is no right fit, and that's almost impossible to happen in a retail store, but it happens B2B often. Mm -hmm. Almost often. every day I turn away yes. business. And I turn mm -hmm. away business for a lot of reasons. But the biggest one is that I can't improve their business life. If my product doesn't give you something that you don't already have, another dimension, if it doesn't provide a lift in sales or a lift in profitability, I'm not going to sell it to you. I'm not going to even offer it to you. I, I'm going to skate out of there before I it goes any further. If I know in my heart of hearts that it's not going to work for you, I'm walking away, dude, and you can love me or hate me over it. But over the years, I've worn well with my my customers, 39 years now, because they know I'm always going to be honest with them. And they know that if I really thought it was a bad fit, that I would just walk away. Or I'd give them a recommendation on another product. And here, let me tell you something. If you're in a retail store and you absolutely have exhausted all the possibilities and you know you don't have the right thing, tell them where they can find it. Right. Because absolutely. This, is, this is this is what happens. And you know what? I'm going to let you go, go do, do this one is this thing called reciprocity. And I'm going to let Karen because she's probably the best at it that I've ever seen. Thank you, Pete. Um, you're absolutely right as far as if you can't supply the customer's needs. And my thought is if that customer isn't better off doing business with me, then they shouldn't do business with me. So if I know that somebody else can service them better, then I will refer them to somebody else. I will say, you know, I don't think we're the right solution for you. 
but you might want to check out XYZ company or better yet, let me introduce you to somebody at that company. And introductions like that are great because it builds trust, it builds confidence, and they know that you truly do care about them. And a funny thing happens. I've heard these stories not hundreds of times, literally thousands of times over the years. I didn't have XYZ. I sent Mrs. Jones down to X, to get XYZ. And right. then she came in here a year later, two years later, three years later. And I barely remembered her, but then I did. And mm-hmm. we ended up doing business. And she told me point blank, the reason I came to you and you were my very first store that I came to is because you were so good to me. You saved me hours and hours of shopping around looking for this. You told me exactly where to go get it. I got it and I'm happy. And I always made a note to myself to take care of, of you when the time came. Now that get, that brings me to one of my favorite subjects and that's follow up. And when I wanted to go from shipping about seven or 800,000 to a a year in retail Mm -hmm. to over a million, when I wanted to make that elevation, I was told by a guy, God rest his soul. He's not alive anymore. John F. Lawhon, um, one of the greats in our industry. Um, I was told by John that the biggest separation that he saw between good and great salespeople were the good salespeople thanked every customer with a handwritten note Uh that bought from them. The great ones sent handwritten notes to people that didn't buy from them. And so if you were to send a handwritten note to somebody who didn't buy from you, you are separating yourself from everybody. And I had a crazy situation. Customer was kind of in a hurry. It was many years ago. Customer was in a hurry and they didn't buy from me, but they came in like three or four weeks later. And I am like, Karen, I was brought up that, you know, if B-backs were greenbacks, we'd all be millionaires and, uh-huh. you know, you never want, you know, all kinds of sayings about B-backs don't exist. Sure. And so this customer, I said, I thought for sure you bought at Furniture Land. And she said, we did. And they haven't delivered it yet. And I didn't get a handwritten thank you from the salesperson that we bought from. And I was looking at my husband the other night and I said, you know, we got a handwritten thank you from Pete, but we didn't get one from Joe. And we actually Mm -hmm. bought something from Joe and we didn't buy anything from Pete and they're not delivering. So let's go give Pete a chance. I double checked, made sure it was in stock, jumped through a few hoops. My, My store manager helped me and we were able to get them a quick delivery and that was caused by follow-up and I want you to kind of wrap up with, with, with follow-up and the importance of separating yourself from other salespeople, Karen. I know that's something that you teach. Follow-up is so critical and the statistics show that a sale is not going to be made until you've had at least eight contacts in B2B sales. Um, if you don't follow up, if you give up after the second or third try, or if somebody gets testy on the phone to you and you just think, oh, they're a jerk and we're not going to talk to them anymore, you just cut your nose off to spite your face. You just have to follow up. You know, they're not going to remember that they got short with you because they talk to so many different people. So that's a negative in your mind that you have to get rid of. So you have to just convince yourself that I'm going to pick up that phone. I'm going to call them again. I'm going to go see them again. And this time is going to be so different. And you know that they've got some hot buttons, but you also need to 
say, when do you want me to follow up? Do you want me to follow up three weeks? Um, follow up when they have a project that's coming up. If they say to you in conversation, um, we've got a new machine coming in. Well, find out what the data is and call them beforehand and see what you can do to help them with that situation. Um, always pay attention to the cues that the customer gives you about what to follow up with and when. But whatever you do, don't make that phone call and say, I'm just following up. That is the worst thing that you can ever say to somebody on the phone. I'm just following up. It diminishes your purpose. So always have a reason to follow up, but do that follow up. It's critical. Yep. And, you know, uh, I mentioned before that I, I, I get a few reps that follow um, <clears throat> kind of on accident. My, my real intention is to talk to business owners. And along the way, I've attracted some retail salespeople and some sales reps. Uh, sales reps, you need, to talk, you need to know what's going on in the industry and you need to give your, your dealers the inside scoop of what's going on. Because if you don't, I will. Do you hear me? Yes. Brother and sister, I will. I'm out there and I'm telling them what I know before it's published in Furniture Today. And if you don't know what's going on before it's published in Furniture Today, we need to have a long, hard talk. As a matter of fact, don't even call me. Call Karen. Actually, Billy, can you pull up Karen's email address? You need to email Karen or just hook up with her on LinkedIn and learn how to deliver to prospects and customers more value that's unrelated to directly buying your quote product, bringing them value. If you are a value creator, you are always welcome at the table. Someone who's just, you know, uh, you know, following up just, uh, you know, Hey, I was thinking of you. That's that's not. Tell them something that means something. That's something of significance, and you will always be welcome at the table. So, that's just a little tidbit. I want to talk to you guys out there that have listened to this and thinking, "Hey, I'd like to have my own show." I want to take a moment to talk about Get Super Serial. That's my production team. That's Billy and Simon. And I've known these guys for years. They do a great job. They make it so easy for me to do my show. Years ago, I started my own podcast and I did everything. And I mean everything. It was a lot of work. Now what I do, I just show up. I say hi, nice. And I let brilliant people like Karen do all the heavy lifting and give you guys great advice and Billy and Simon do everything else. They, they publish it. If there is any editing that needs to be done, they do that. I literally just show up for the interview. Karen, we talked for what? Pro well, I meant to talk to you for five minutes and me and you went on for about a half an hour, but that's just the way it goes with us. Right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just show I just show up and do the interview and they do all the other things that I don't want to do. Um, they 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 do all the marketing, they publish it. It shows up on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, you name it. There's going to be new uh, social media that pops up. They'll have me on there, too. They have me on every podcast that is known to man, every podcast platform. So if you want to start your own show, it's never been easier than, you know, just give the guys a call, reach out to them and uh, book a free call at Get Super Serial. That's Get Super Serial, C-E-R-E-A-L.com and hook up with these guys and just talk to them about your idea and see how they can help you. It'll either be a fit or it won't be a fit, but they make it super easy for me. 
Karen, what is our last tidbit that we're going to say to our guys and gals, maybe a business owner that not really happy with their sales. They want to start to have better sales conversations. Let's give them a final one or two tips. I think the first thing is know your capabilities. If your business is, if you own your business, write out your capabilities sheet. Know your capabilities, know what you're capable of, be confident in that, and then figure out who you can market to. So that's the primary thing that you need to do right now to get started is define your business and your business capabilities and define your target market. And then give me a call and we'll talk. That's awesome. Karen, I I am very happy when we can deliver anywhere from one to three golden nuggets. I think we have about eight or nine, maybe 10 of them all together here. Um, thank you so much. We have to do this again. That would be great. Thank you so much, Pete. I'm so honored to be on your show and have a blessed well, day. You have a blessed day and it, it's been an honor for me because just when I think I know it all, I talk to you and I realize that I don't. And that, <laughs> Nor do I. <laughs> we that, learn from each other, Pete. That is huge. So in this life that we live every day, learn something new. That's a little Absolutely. nugget you guys can take with you today. Thank you so much, Karen. Thanks, Pete.